evening, and welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies Madhouse Monday, where we do our react show to the latest episodes of The Last Dance on ESPN. You got the man of the hour, the top of power, too sweet to ever be sour, Delante. What's good? What's good, everybody? You got me, the big guy, KG. Hope everybody's having a wonderful night. We'll be joined shortly by Junie. And uh, BJ gets in in enough time. He might join, but you may hear from him later on in the show. So, episodes five and six was last night. And I I said it last week, episode five would be kind of a tearjerker to start off. And who's the first person they do the interview with? None other than... Kobe being Bryant. Yeah, man. Damn. That, that was heavy, man. That was heavy. Man, I I didn't think I thought he would have more camera time, but you know, just what he said alone, uh when he said he gives MJ credit for all of his championships. He said, I wouldn't have five championships if it wasn't for him. And just so many people and I, I gave Kobe grief about this for years you know all of MJ's moves Kobe copied them but he took them to the you know to another level and produced five championships yeah. Hall of Fame career and you know I, I, I like the that's one of the things I used to love giving Kobe fans a a run for is the similarities and and the likeness to Jordan. But hearing you know him talk about the move set, everything that he did came from MJ, and I, I felt in a way I felt vindicated because I've been saying it for so long. But to finally hear Kobe say it, that yes, this is what it was. That's where it came from. I felt vindicated, but also I felt like he he did on a grander scale what every kid in America did in the 90s. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. Everybody wanted to drive to the lane with the tongue out, wanted to dunk, shoot the fadeaway. But he took it to a professional level and we had success with it. Yeah, he is... You know, Kobe, he he really emulated uh, MJ from, but it, and and I definitely don't mean no, you know, saying this is this is definitely no disrespect intended. I mean, he 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 studied MJ from, you know, the the move set to, uh, you know, the the body the body language, the body language, you know, what I'm saying, but it's also a lot of positive aspects, the the determination. Uh, you know, in, in, in the will to win. Like, this dude, he hated losing. Super competitive. Super competitive. Um, another thing, um, like, if you listen to Kobe talk, like, if you close your eyes and listen to him talk, it, you know, it kind of sounds like MJ. But, again, that's, that's you know, influence-based. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was heavily influenced by MJ. And I know uh, it's slightly off topic, but Iverson... Uh, AI, he, uh, you know, speaks of being heavily influenced by Mike, but Kobe, you know, he, 
you know, had Mike down to a science, but Kobe won. So, you know, so he, he, everything, the, the whole, the book of Michael, Kobe, he perfected it and then added his own touch to it. So definitely a major salute to Kobe. Most definitely. Um, they talked about the 98 all-star game and one of the things that uh <laughs> was said in that locker room was Jordan saying that Kobe don't let the game come to him. He goes out and takes it. And they called him that 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 little Laker boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... granted, he was only 19 at the time though, but I mean I get it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and I I could and it should be no offense taking you know, especially by a then thirty-seven-year-old um, Mike calling a nineteen-year-old kid a, a Laker boy. Like, yeah, you know, he's he young. You know what I'm saying? But I think, like that All-Star game, Kobe, he, you know, he starting to kind of like get behind the, the the will per se himself. He was just like Mike said, he was he, he was taking it. You know what I'm saying? He was taking it. Like he he played his ass off that All-Star game. You know, of course, Mike won MVP. You know what I'm saying? Because Mike is Mike, but man, Kobe has a hell of a highlight reel that particular All Star game. Um, they flash back to '92. Uh, well, which was the '91-'92 season, coming off the championship after beating the Lakers. Of course, the beginning of that season. One thing that I thought that they were gonna mention and I mean maybe not touch on it but mention was the announcement which was November 7th 1991 uh that was the day that Magic Johnson retired from the NBA the first time and he announced that he had HIV and it sent every it sent everybody into a tizzy I'll say that if you anybody can remember that if you watch the 30 for 30 special but it sent everybody in a tizzy and a lot of people said a lot of things. We'll jump into that later because uh, <laughs> it brings around to a few other things. Um, but that season, you know, the Bulls go on, they get to the finals, they play Portland in the finals. And MJ was offended being compared to Clyde Drexler. Yeah. I I just said, wow. I mean, but throughout their career, you know, they were high-flying two guards. You know, they could dunk. They were athletic. Uh, of course, Clyde came out of Five Slamma Jamma at, in Houston. Uh, MJ, Tar Heel down in North Carolina, but their games – were kind of similar because Clyde had a nice little jumper, but he didn't develop it till later on in his career. But he hated being compared to Clyde. I was like, wow, I never knew that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, damn. Yeah, that was, that was, that was crazy. I mean, most people, I guess, again, that's, that's competitive nature, competitive nature because some people, they're like, oh, all right, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, again, to, to like, I have to bring him back up, but AI, he was early's career, he was compared to a young Stefan Marbury, 
or uh, hmm, let me try to think. Shaq, Shaq, he, you know, like, like everybody would be compared to like people, man. You know what I'm saying? Web, C Web was he was compared to a young C Web was compared to Barkley because you know they both you know kind of finessed as added finesse to the power forward game. But again, Mike, man, Mike was a whole different monster. You know what I'm saying? And then he he heard that he was he was wired. He was wired like the the, the uh, 35 points in one half. Like that that was a stick. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, nah, brother, you'll never be as good as me. You know what I'm saying? We, we're, we'll never be on the same plateau. I'm way better than you. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I'm saying? We can go play golf, you know, have a cigar. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can gamble or whatever, but on a court, I'm way better than you, brother. Absolutely. And we're joined by the man, Junie. What's up, brother? What is going on, fellas? How y'all doing tonight? No, good. Good, good. Uh, we sitting here. We breaking down episode five of uh, the last dance last night. Um, we're talking uh, MJ being offended by being compared to Clyde Drexler. Hey, he let his game speak for itself. When I did hit them six threes, look back at Magic Johnson. He's a uh, hey, Magic and uh, Michael played cards. The night before, and Michael told him, "I'm gonna get this guy. I'm gonna show him what it's all about." And it went out there and did it. And you know what? When that story first, when the first time I heard that story, I said, "You know what? If I was Clyde Drexler, I'd look." Well, actually, Clyde Drexler wasn't on Jordan most of that game. That was Cliff Robinson that got busted. And if 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 I was Cliff Robinson, I think I'd have to have some words with Magic. Like, why you get me busted like that, man? Why, why, yes, why you get me dog like that? <laughs> but then you go from the 92 championship winning in Chicago. I mean, it was a big thing because the Bulls won in L.A. in 91. So 92, you went in Chicago. They brought the trophy out on the floor and celebrated with the fans. And it was just beautiful. And then right after that, the Olympics started. And Contrary, and I, I learned something new. I didn't think I was going to learn too much new. I did, too. I know what you're about to say. Right. But to say that when they assembled the Dream Team, which I, I got a question for you guys after this. Mm-hmm. But when they assembled the Dream Team, nobody wanted to play with Isaiah. It wasn't just MJ. MJ said he didn't put Isaiah's name out there, never mentioned him, anything. But Magic didn't want to play with him. Bird didn't want to play with him. Or Scotty. Or Scotty. And and that's one thing that Isaiah was he said in an open what I said. No, nah, he said, I can understand Magic not wanting to play with me. And I'll send it, I'll send I'll find a clip and send it to you guys. It's on YouTube. He said, I can understand mm-hmm. Magic not wanting to play with me. I can understand Bird. I can understand Jordan, but Pippen, you ain't done nothing in this league to say you don't want to play with me. And yeah. he was peeved. But Here's my question to you guys. The 92 Dream Team of 11 professional athletes and one college player, which should have been Shaquille O'Neal, but was actually (laughs) Christian Leitner. I don't know. They said that was politics. I don't know what kind of politics that was. But Shaquille O'Neal on that team? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Right. Mm -hmm. 
But now the Dream Team is in the Hall of Fame, and some of the eleven of those guys, other twelve, are double Hall of Famers. Is the the ninety two Dream Team the greatest assembly, the greatest talent assembly ever on a basketball court? Yes. Oh, of course. No doubt. Of course. Let me, and 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 no disrespect to the Redeem team from what was that? Uh, 08 with uh, mm-hmm. with Kobe, LeBron. That was a, that was a hell. Of, that might be the second best ever team, but I don't think the Redeem team would be the Dream team. Like the Dream team, they was just they was loaded from top to bottom. Well, top to damn near bottom. I don't. I yeah, that Christian Leitner uh, edition. That was a a Coach K power move. Um, but then again, I don't even know if he was even involved at that point. But that was yeah, definitely. Uh, Coach, I think Coach he, K been on the on the he been involved with that for years. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, in that case, that was definitely uh, a, a Coach K politic move, uh, and we all know that should have you know Shaq should have been on there. But that's another another night, another um, show. But yeah, I can't nobody be. Can't nobody, I don't, couldn't no other team beat that drink that team never. Well, let Shaq tell it. Dream Team Two and '96 could be Dream Team One. Shaq, hey, look, listen, man, out of Shaq's mouth. Shaq been smoking too much uh, Jazam. What's that? <laughs> that little genie thing kept the bottle. He kept coming out of and rapping the rapping genie like Kazam. Yeah, Kazam, that's it. You've been smoking too much Kazam there, big bro. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody touching the dream team. End of story. Now, on that bench, you had one of my favorite coaches. Even though I hated the Pistons, I always loved Chuck Daly, a.k.a. Daddy Rich. Because, number one, him and Pat Riley, I always thought were two of the best-dressed coaches on the sidelines in the NBA of the 90s. Of the 80s and the 90s, I should say. And I always wanted, I mean, I was 12, 13 years old, begging for an Armani suit. And my uncles would tell me, boy, you still growing. That's a waste of money. I was like, I don't care. Let's waste the money. But it's because of Chuck Daly and Pat Riley that I wanted that. But you had Chuck Daly as the head coach. Uh, Lenny Wilkins, one of the greatest coaches in the NBA who gets exactly much yes. credit. Um, P.J. Carlissimo and Mike Krzyzewski. You had Magic on that team. You had Bird. You had uh, MJ, Scottie Pippen, Clyde Drexler, John Stockton, Carl Malone, uh, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullin, David Robinson, Charles Barkley. Man. Yeah. They, they had – that was the perfect mix of power – Shooting and and just you know just just all around just all around game. Hey, man, I got a question for y'all. Mm-hmm. Did did Shaquille stay all four years at LSU? No, he came out early. I think he came Next, out after junior year. Yeah, he came. I, out I'm, early. I'm sitting here saying to myself, I'm trying to figure out what excuse will they make, being that they got a college player. I'm trying to figure out, like you said, why Whitney pick Shaquille O'Neal. Because Coach K wasn't his coach. But on top of that, you know, Duke Duke is uh the one of the choir boys of the country. 
and Christian okay. Leighton was good and wholesome. Okay, yeah. right, right. But now, a couple of stories about that 92 Dream Team. Uh, before they went to Monte Carlo and practiced, they practiced against college All-Stars. It was uh, Bobby Hurley, Chris Webber, um, Grant Hill. They played against all these guys. And Chuck Daly intentionally left Michael out of the game. It was just a pickup game, no precedent. He left Michael out of the game, uh, and he was just, you know, the guys were just trying to be too friendly. They were trying to make the extra pass when you one pass would have been enough school. So they were just doing too much. The college kids wound up beating them. So before the press came in, they erased the scoreboard. They talked about it. He told them what they did wrong. The next day they had another game. And the college kids was all hyped up because they had beat NBA players. They was like, they ready for the NBA. They ain't ready for us. Said the next day, they practiced in a scrimmage again. That the NBA beat them so bad. It was just, it, it was the worst defeat that they ever had. And they was glad that it was behind closed doors. Because I, they said they didn't score for maybe the first half. That right there. Then the practices in Monte Carlo, when Magic was talking trash, Michael got mad and just reeled off eight straight points. Oh yeah, he, he, yeah, that was the end of practice. Uh, I, I remember Jordan said that he wanted the practice to keep going. Magic wanted to keep going. Jordan wanted to keep going because he wanted to inflict pain on Magic. Magic wanted to keep going because they was getting their butt kicked. But nobody wanted to stop the practice because it just. But Chuck Daly said he had to stop it because somebody was going to get hurt because it got intense. Magic said one time that uh, it became a one-on-one thing, and Charles Barkley was like, "I want Carl Malone," so he backed Carl Malone down in the paint and he shot over him. Good. He said, "No, nah, no, nah, Carl, you ain't going to take that." He said he dumped it down low and told Carl Malone go at him. Then uh, Clyde Drexler was like, I want Michael. And he fall away jumper. Good. And Michael come back. Fall away. And it was like, it was just going back and forth. Individual. And then you got Patrick Ewing versus David Rod. And they said that was some of the best balling that anybody has ever played. And it's one of those practices that brought that whole team together. And I'm like, that right there. That was what it was all about. But uh, I agree with you, fellas. I think the 92 Dream Team is the greatest assembly of talent ever. 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 Now, let's, uh, let, 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 let's talk about this real quick. Since we're talking about the Dream Team, we're talking about uh, Isaiah being left off. Matt, uh, MJ truly hates Isaiah. Like, like, yeah. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He hates him, bro. I'm, 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 I'm at a loss for words right now. <laughs> mm. I'm, of course, I'm sure you know. It, um, some of that, um, con- you know, contributes to. The wars, the playoff wars from like the late '80s and you know '90s or whatever. But Isaiah, man, he and I think we spoke on it last week. The dude and 
he didn't he didn't rub he rubbed a lot, a lot of people off the wrong way, man, with his on the court antics. And then you know he he was quite candid. Uh, he had a mouth on him like in interviews as well. You go on YouTube, you look at some of these interviews. This dude, he he ain't hold back no pun. He rubbed people the wrong way. Now, go ahead, go ahead. Since we talk about Isaiah, do I think he should have uh, been left off that um that team? I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, you could have put him on and left Christian Leitner off. End of story. If you wasn't gonna put Shaq on there, because I think Christian Leitner played what uh, uh, two minutes per game. If that, even though they were beating teams by like, like uh, 30, 40 points, mm. you know what? Somebody said something on Twitter, and I had to give it a little thought because it, it's almost right. Says Isaiah beat three greats in their prime, he beat Larry in his prime, he beat Magic in his prime. He beat Michael in his prime. And all three of those guys have beef with him. Now, I understand why Magic had beef with, with Isaiah. Now, they made up, and I, 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 I alluded to it, uh, I think that was two weeks ago when I was telling you guys about that that, that special on um, NBA TV. And they sat down and they talked, and they apologized to each other. And, I mean... It was really like no holes balls, boohoo crying. Because yeah, they were like good friends. Man, they were tight. They had businesses together. Uh, and Isaiah said something. He said they used to sit around and talk. And they both said, I ain't never going to be broke no more. Never again. I'll never be broke again. So it's that they had that hustlers mentality. But they were doing it the legal way. It was uh, Magic, Isaiah, Mark Aguirre, somebody else. Was it? It wasn't Dumas. I can't remember who the uh, who the fourth person was. But Isaiah was like Magic was like the big brother that was guiding them in the league. He took them under the, under his wing and he guided them. But you know, Isaiah says something when Magic came out with the HIV announcement. Isaiah said some things that he shouldn't have about extracurricular activities that Magic may or may not have participated in. As in, you know, speculation of sex with multiple women, sex with men, you know, things like that. And that damaged their relationship very, very bad. Isaiah and Michael, you had the, the freeze out in 84 and a few other things, especially the wars that they went through in uh, 88, 89, and 90. So you, you, you think about all those things that he did to Michael, but I did not know that Larry Bird had beef with Isaiah Thomas too. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was real back then, man. It was real, like. But it make you wanna. It makes me wanna find out what to be. What could you possibly beef with 
Larry Bird about? You know what? You know what I just thought about? It could have mm-hmm. been the comments that Dennis Rodman and Isaiah Thomas made after they lost to the Celtics and said that Larry Bird would be just an average player if he was black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, yeah, you can't play the race card no matter the race, man. It just, that could, honestly, that could be it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't think Larry Bird had a problem with that because Larry Bird talked trash to anybody. Anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward back to 98, Jordan's last game at Madison Square Garden where he pulled out the Jordan once. In 1998, and I remember that game vividly because I, I, I sat and watched. That's when the Bulls was playing on NBC every weekend. So, and I could listen to the Bulls on the radio during the week. So I, I, I never missed a Bulls game, cable or no cable. I never missed a Bulls game, and don't let them play on Friday night because right. Friday night I was on WGN. I'm up late watching that. But that game, last game in Madison Square Garden. Jordan Wands in 1998. Then they went back and talked about Jordan signing his shoe deal. And one of the notes that I took is Adidas not wanting to sign him. I know they probably were rocking on the side of the bed for the last 20 years like, yo, what did we do? And that was his favorite shoe, the Adidas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They said they went to Converse. Converse you know, Converse had everybody. They had Mark Aguirre, Bernard King, Magic, Larry. Uh, no, Isaiah had Asics, but he did have a uh, he did wear Converse weapon. But I, they didn't want to give him his signature shoe. Doctor J wore uh, Converse. That was a shoe with the NBA. They didn't want to give him a signature shoe. Converse told Michael that he won't be no bigger than those guys that they already have. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that that ain't that ain't something that. Uh... A, a, a rookie, you know, a, a, a hype rookie want to hear. And you know what, man? I think I think everything came together for Michael because he didn't want to go to Nike. As y'all know, he did not want to fly out there. And the mm. man, they call his mother. They call his parents and ask, can y'all talk to him and get him to fly here? So they flew the whole family out there. They had the whole banner. Nike family welcomes the Jordan family. And like I said, at Nike, at that time, they was they was had tennis players, they had uh race car drivers, they had everybody but basketball players, and they was they was they had just built the air sole in the shoe, and then they said Michael takes all the air, takes on the air, he always jumping. So what better name to get a shoe is the Air Jordan. When I tell you everything came out perfect, y'all, that was perfect. Air Jordan, oh, yeah. that was perfect, man. Can't get no better than that. The thing is, $250,000 they paid him. Now, Junior, if I give you $250,000 and I tell you within four years I want to make $3 million, and I, that's our goal, we're going to make $3 million. I pay you $250,000 to be my brand ambassador, and we'll make $3 million in four years. Man, they made $126 million the first year. Yes, they did. Michael that's said, my game speaks, my game do all my talking. I love it, man. I gained so much respect for Michael Jordan just watching the last dance. 
more respect than I had from the first. I already love Michael Jordan. That's my man, man. One of the things I had texted BJ last night, and I asked him a a, a point blank question. <clears throat> Jumping up to, <clears throat> excuse me, the '92 Finals, and I'm I'm looking at teams. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at things. What were the Portland Trailblazers missing in '92 that they couldn't get over the hump against? Uh, they couldn't get over the hump against. Chicago. Man, I ain't trying to be funny. Uh, I don't think they was missing anything. Just that Chicago had Michael Jordan. Portland Trailblazers had a really good squad. Delonte? Uh, I agree. Um, they already had a, they had a good team during that time. Um, I'm pretty sure after the at the end of Sam Bowie, Bowie and Jordan's after that rookie season, they were probably kicking themselves like, "Damn, we could have we could have made this work somehow, some way." Because mm-hmm. I think now, Clyde, yeah, Clyde was already there, correct? Yeah, Clyde came in in '83. Yeah, Buck Clyde, Williams, so, Jerome Kersey, yeah. they had a nice squad, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they were they were they were cooking up early. So they were probably like, "Yeah, where, where would Jordan fit in? We can't bring him off the bench." So let's get Sam Bowie. And, you know, as we've seen how that turned out. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, man, you know, based on need and just chance. Let's let's take it back one more round to the the Eastern Conference Finals, the Knicks. What did the Knicks need? What were the Knicks missing? That they couldn't beat the Bulls because they had the Bulls number the first two games, then they lost four straight. What were they missing? More Patrick Ewing. Uh, I I think like he he provided, but I think uh, I, and I remember that I actually remember that series from '93. He could have provided more. Star, uh, Starks did what he could. Harper, you know, he, he was serviceable point serviceable point guard. He did what he could. Um, What's the dude? He kept getting the shot blocked underneath the basket. Game five. Oh, Charles Smith. Charles Smith. He did what he could. Um, and you know, they. I think the problem is they. They try to. Um, they. They try to play Detroit Piston basketball. It worked. Game one and two. It you know it definitely worked because they they were they were muscling um George Michael in it as around all up and down Madison Square Garden, but. You know, they the Bulls they made adjustments. The Knicks they didn't. You know, they tried to continue on that that same rough and tough uh, game plan. They caught up with them. So no, nah, they they didn't make adjustments. That's what it is. Chicago made the adjustments. The Knicks didn't. And then Patrick Ewing, he couldn't. You know, he couldn't like really lift this team up. Junie? Uh, well, I can I, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think the Knicks, like you said, they were they, now that did y'all mention it? I didn't notice it till y'all said it. They were playing Detroit basketball. Charles Oakley tried to be a bad boy, you know. Uh, but the Bulls let them know that we ain't having it. We ain't having it. 
Um, I I just don't think uh, they got enough at the small forward position. Is and is that what Charles Smith played small forward? I I think he was a power forward. I think he was kind of power forward. Yeah, he was power forward. Let me see. Is that the same year they had uh that wasn't uh okay, let me see. Charles Oakley. They had Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley. Uh I think they had that was the year they had uh Derek Harper. Doc Rivers, they were heavy at the guard. Okay, right. They were heavy. Right, exactly. Right, right. And I think like Delonte Wright too. I I like the way Chicago Bulls uh they changed things up, you know, and, and, and Knicks the Knicks kept everything the same. Hey man, I I got one question for y'all. I don't want to jump the gun, but I learned this last night too. See if y'all know this. Michael Jordan. Is one of two players to win MVP, the Finals MVP, and a gold medal in the same year. Who is the other player? LeBron. The King. Okay, what year? 2012. Okay, you paid attention. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I put that on in my that, notes last night. Yeah, I, I seen that. Now, I'm sitting there racking my brain. I said, I know it was LeBron, but what year? <laughs> He right. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Now the Knicks had Greg Anthony, James Donaldson, Patrick Ewan, Mark Jackson. They still had Mark Jackson, Anthony Mason, uh, Tim McCormick, the X Man, Xavier McDaniel, Xavier McDaniel, uh, Charles Oakley, John Starks, Kiki Vandeweghe, Gerald Wilkins, and Kennard Winchester. That was the ninety two Knicks. The X Man, uh, he he was doing too much, man. He he another one. I think it was him and Charles Oakley to try to be bad boys, man. You know? Yeah, because they they was but Charles Oakley was a rough and tumble dude anyway. Right. That was Oak anyway. But now, see, I you talk about jumping the gun, Junior. I jumped the gun. That was supposed to be a question that I had for y'all. Second half. That wasn't supposed. To be <laughs> I that. knew I was, it. I knew. I was shut up. All right, all right. <laughs> that that <laughs> I. See, I jumped the gun so anxious to ask y'all that question, and I jumped the gun on myself. That was supposed to be from episode six, but y'all answered it. Uh, before we even finish up on episode five, first of all, do you guys got anything else from episode five to cover? Look, on my notes, I don't have what episode which is which. I just wrote notes down. So I'm, I'm going to ask y'all about a player. So you tell me what episode was that what? I want to speak on Cool Coach. What episode was that? Yeah. That was episode, uh, that was five, because they were talking about him in the Olympics. Now, 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 some I didn't know, y'all. Did y'all know that I thought, I thought that was Michael Jordan's idea to go out and get him, but I learned last night that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I learned it wasn't. That was Jerry Krause. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted, I, I to do, about, he wanted to do away with them. Yeah. And I, but I, why? I, I understand that. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I, I sent this to BJ last night because, you know, we talk about Krause. And Krause is one, I mean, God rest his soul. But he caused a lot of grief in my sports life. Hey, and, excuse me. Ho, ho, ho. He passed? Yeah. 
I didn't know he died. Yeah, two years oh, ago. Oh no, who died? Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause. Oh yeah, yeah, he did. I didn't know that. Okay, but go ahead. He caused a lot of grief in my in my sports life, and I I tell y'all this all the time, and I swear, you gotta pick up the book. You gotta get the Jordan rules. We'll talk about that after the break, but you gotta pick up the Jordan rules. Jerry Krause, in that book, they didn't vilify him, but they were saying that he wouldn't negotiate with Scottie Pippen for Scottie's contract, the, the, the BS contract that he had Scottie sign in 91. He put that off to go see Tony play. He told Scottie, you wait. I'm going to uh, Croatia. He's like, he's the equivalent of a father that has his own kids. But he doesn't love his own kids, but he loves all the other kids out in the street and wants to bring them home and raise them. That's what he is. He's the equivalent of that. I did learn why he was the most hated guy in Chicago. And I think Jerry was doing too much, man. I didn't care for him either, man. And I like what Michael and Scotty did to Tony uh, in the Olympics, even though Tony didn't know what was coming. He didn't know what was going on with Scotty, Michael, and Jerry. But he caught the bad end of the stick. That got that first game in Croatia. I mean, in the Olympics. I mean, they they buy him, and that's that's old school defense right there. Yes, sir. Scotty Pippen, he he says that, and people think, and I, I, when I say people, I mean these young folks that ain't never watched a prime Scotty defend somebody like a James Harden, like, like a Russell Westbrook, and he was he said, you know, to stop James Harden. You got to pick him up at 94 feet and defend him all the way down the court. They let him walk up and get to his sweet spot, and then he goes to work. You can't let him get in his sweet spot. You got to give him a little body to push him off that sweet spot, make him do something else. You let him walk to that spot, he's going to kill you every time. He said, if it was me, forget guarding him 94 feet. As soon as he comes to the arena and gets out his car, I'm in his hip pocket. I'm like, damn, that's dedication right there. But that's the way Scotty is. Yeah. Damn Scotty. Mm. All right. We got anything else on episode five before we take a break and come back with episode six? I, I think I think we covered everything from five. All right. So we're going to jump out, pay some bills, take a break, come on back in. And we're going to talk episode six and just really just get into it because I I can already feel the motor revving for everybody. And I'm just it's just the excitement. So stay tuned. Don't go nowhere. Keep listening. We'll be right back. Back in this thing like we never left. All right. Sideline Junkies bringing it to you on a Monday, Madhouse Monday to be exact. The Last Dance Episode 6 React this segment. So, fellas, we already talked about the Knicks and that 93 Knicks team. We talked about them. We talked about the 92 Knicks in the first half, but that 93 Knicks team, that's the team that was up 2 0. I, I, I messed up. That was the team that was up 2 0 in the playoffs. And lost to the Bulls four straight. Uh, where we at? That team had 
Eric Anderson, Greg Anthony, Rolando Blackman, Tony Campbell, Hubert Davis, Patrick Ewan. They had Bo Kimball, Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, Doc Rivers, Charles Smith, John Starks, and Herb Williams. They couldn't get over the hump. And I think it was for BJ said it, and I gotta I gotta agree with it. Who was their number two score on that team? Like consistent. You got Ewan. You know Ewan gonna put up anywhere between twenty five and twenty eight. But start. who was their number two score? He was inconsistent. Was it was it uh uh Anthony Mason? Nah. And, you know what? At that point in time, Mason didn't score like that. Yeah, he was. He probably give you he, he more rebounds and fouls. You the physical aspect. I was thinking it'd be somebody we the least we expect somebody big and down low. That's what I was thinking. But uh, Delonte said starts. Yeah. Was that was it him? Yeah, that was their uh. That was their um their second uh their second scoring option, and that's why they couldn't get over. That's why they couldn't get over Chicago because they had nobody to rely on after Ewing. I can understand that. I can get that. Now, and this uh they talked about that ninety three um. Eastern Conference Championship matchup. MJ goes down to Atlantic City with his dad, blows off a little steam, comes back. Everybody loses their damn mind. Fellas, honestly, number one, who the hell cares that he went to AC with his dad? But why was it such a big deal? Because we're talking about Michael Jordan. Exactly. Other than that, it wasn't a big deal. So I'm about to bring I... him up. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, my, my bad. I'm about to bring him up again for the third time. Uh, but this this is just for example purposes. Even Iverson, when they when they played when Philly would play against the Nets or the Knicks. He will always make that, you know what I'm saying? Even though he was in Philly, he will always make a detour down to Atlantic City to gamble. Players do that. That's you know, that's that's something that they do in their all time. Players have all times as well. And then I come to think about it, Mike, he got I believe he said he got back what, twelve thirty AM? Mm-hmm. I I I can't um it, it it got away from me if there was a, a mandated curfew, but you know, hey, he he made it back. It wasn't like he showed up. You know, he pulled a Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Supposed to be gone for forty eight hours and wind up being gone for ninety six. Yeah, ninety six. Where your teammate, you know, what I'm saying your superstar teammate, have to come and get you, and and you got Carmen Electric and the uh, hiding butt naked. Boy, she was, in, I think, in, behind it. In between the comforter behind the couch, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, nah, him and his father they they just wanted to get away. That's it. But I just I, I never understood what the big deal was, and then you know the gambling allegations come up, and I I got a series of questions for you guys, so I hope y'all ready. 
But do you think David Stern covered for MJ during that whole gambling thing? Uh, oh, yeah. He wouldn't, he wasn't going to find him or bend him for it. Yeah, I, it, all yeah, of, I, think, I think so. Everything was a cover up. When you when you put it together, I think him the retirement for eighteen months that was a part of the, you know, that was part of might have been a part of a secret deal, man. Like, look, man, you the face, you are the face of the league. We don't want to suspend, you know, what I'm saying we want to don't want to suspend you, but you got to pay for this some way, so. He probably was like, all right, you know, well, let me watch my next act. You know what I'm saying? I'll, 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 we'll dress it up. Now, that was one. Um, Two. Came up, a name came up about when talking about MJ's gambling. The dude wrote a book. And I think that was, this is not coming from a, Michael Jordan fan. This is coming from me just looking at this period. I had to take my fandom out of it. That sound like clout chasing. You write a whole book about you and Michael gambling together. Why? Yeah. That sound like clout chasing. Definitely. Uh, then you have um, a name that I was telling you guys off air that I had never heard of and that was Slim Bowler. Uh, they found, they, you know, this guy's indicted over money laundering, fraud, racketeering, you know, everything to deal with, that goes with gambling. He's been indicted over, he's in jail. MJ paid him $57,000. You know, initially he said it was a loan. Then it went from a loan to he owed it to him in a gambling debt, you know. I'm like, well, damn. But in several interviews, in the interview he did, when he told Amar Rashad, he said he got off the bus and told Amar Rashad, let's just go ahead and do this. Go, go get a camera. We're going to do this now. And Amar Rashad was like, him doing an interview with uh, the sunglasses on kind of didn't help, but we understood. And I remember that interview. I remember that interview. And for the life of me, I ne- number one, I never understood why if he's not betting on games, he's not doing it to the po- point where he's, you know, broke, he got to hawk this, he got to hawk that, why is it a problem? And number two, how cool and close did him and Amar Rashad have to be for them to to... to you know, when you see him, you see Amar Rashad. You, have y'all noticed that? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were they were tight. Just wow. Um, but it was something that he said uh, to Amar Rashad. He said, "You know, you got guys that say I want to play till I can't play no more." You know, he said he think it was Patrick Ewan said it that they're gonna have to carry me off the court. He said, "I don't want to be carried off the floor." He said, I want to retire two years before I know I can't play anymore. And this is before his retirement in 93. So it makes you wonder, you know, about how heavy retirement was on his brain 
at that time. And he said that him and his father had sat down and they had talked about retiring. Just letting it after the championship, letting it go, retiring. And going to do something else. And it was, you know, it was very, very heavy talk. But, fellas, honestly, take the gloves off, no punches pulled. Right here, right now, on this very podcast, do you fellas really think that the 18-month layoff between, well, after the, the 93 championship, all of 94, and damn near all of 95, came back March 18th. Do you think that was a undercover suspension levied by the NBA? <laughs> Without a doubt, of course. I agree. I agree. I didn't think about it at first, but yes, I agree. You can't suspend Michael Jordan, you know what I'm saying? Then, you, then you 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 might have you'll face backlash. You might face uh, decreasing numbers as far as viewership and fan attendance in these in the stadiums. But you know the the retirement angle was was probably the most logical thing you can do. You know what, fellas, I got to wholeheartedly agree with you because it, it just he still Story. played in charity games Scotty Pippen yeah. had a charity game in uh, in Chicago Mike mm-hmm. went out there and, 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 and bust ass out there he was out there killing so he and, still had the game it's just yeah that was it's just a, a little secret society thing man that's it he said the reason why and he was getting ready to get called up to the majors after, you know, playing baseball and single A and double A. He got it. I think he made it up to triple A. And right as he was about to be called up to the White Sox, they went on strike. And he was still supposed to get called up because they wouldn't use scab players. And he said he wanted no parts of it. He wanted no parts of a strike. That's why he left baseball. But he had started to get good at it. See, that's one thing most people don't realize. He started to really get good at baseball. He started to work at it more. You got had to realize he was going from basketball to baseball. So he wasn't going to immediately pick up a bat and hit 300. You know, everybody expected him to, but it wasn't going to happen. He started to get good at baseball, but if that striking never happened, I think he wouldn't have never came back to basketball because he would have been a pretty damn good baseball player. I mean, that's just my opinion, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I think, uh, not not to cut you off, KG, I think the longer he was playing, the, the more better and seasoned he was becoming. Mm-hmm. Like, like, after a while, you were like, Jordan hits a home run. Jordan, you know, has few RBIs, Jordan was, you know, playing, you know, good defense and all that other stuff, too. Absolutely. And one of the notes that I took as far as, you know, 93, 
even all the way up to 98, him talking to the press, being like Mike is very, very stressful. Everybody wanted to be like Mike in the, in the 90s. He was like, that's not something you really want. It was no downtime. You know, and the way they, 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 they broke it down, he comes into the stadium. He's, you know, he, he's spending five, ten minutes with terminally ill kids. Then he's trying to go get dressed, kind of trying to go shoot around. The press want to talk to him. This person want to talk to him. They want to talk to him. Then he goes out, performs, comes back. Everybody else wants a piece of him. The, the press wants a piece of him again. Then these people want a piece of him. This person wants It's no downtime. Then you go to your hotel room and you got people knocking on the door. I never understood how stressful it is for a megastar, not, not just a star, a megastar. You can't lead a normal life. Yeah, it's, it's definitely can't lead a, a normal life, man. You know, once you're in that, that, that light, it's a wrap. You got to move different. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, the bright spots of episode six was them showing a relationship of the security team of the United Center with Jordan. Oh, uh, rolling quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Betting $20 to roll quarters. You know, and, go ahead, go ahead. My bad, not to cut you off again. So I, I watched that. You know, like I, I mentioned, um, you know, doing our, our, our sound check. I watched both episodes twice, and still, for the life of me, I couldn't understand what was the 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 goal with the quarters. What did they have to land in a certain spot, or they had to not land in a certain spot? I was trying to figure out, like, what are we doing? I know the security guard; he was winning. Yeah, and Mike was losing twenty after twenty. But I was trying to figure out what what are we doing here. Man, your guess is good as mine. You know anything about rolling quarters there? No. That's a new one on me. <laughs> we, look, we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to have to make some phone calls to the older generation and see what the hell that's about. But I I just I love that relationship and then you know them talking about uh, ticket sales and how hard it is. The players want a certain amount of tickets, and you got to you got to limit the players to tickets and things like that. And uh, Randy Brown had asked Jordan for a ticket, and he's like, "Anywhere?" He was like, "Yeah, I don't care if it's next to God." And he told him, he said, "Well, you just got a ticket from him." Yeah, yeah, you got a ticket from God. I'm God. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I found that hilarious, but yeah, just. Just, just knowing that the Bulls were a sold out commodity like that. That's hey, speaking, speaking of hilarious, man, I learned that Michael Jordan was just a comedian, man. He talked junk, he, he, he backed it up, and he laughed. Everybody laughed about everything they did, man. Mm hmm. Absolutely right. Um, matter of fact, speaking of which, when Phil ended practice and Scotty was coming in, and he was like, no, no, come on, we got to go. We got to go. And he pulled him. And he was like, well, Scotty, can I get a moment? He's like, no, nah, Scotty got to go. He can't talk. And he grabbed Scotty by the collar and tried to take him to the bus because he had a tea time. Him and Ron Hoffman was getting ready to go play golf. 
MJ did not play about that damn tea time. No, no. Hey, did you see him when he when? Did you see when they got on the bus? Reporters tried to talk to him, Scotty. Jordan got behind the wheel and started blowing the horn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, he's a comedian, man. I, I absolutely love that part. I, I love that. I loved it. Uh, they went back a little ways and talked about uh the book of Jordan rules. I've referenced that book so many times. And once again, if anybody hasn't read the Jordan rules by Sam Smith, who uh, used to write for the Chicago Tribune, I follow him on Twitter. So anything Chicago Bulls, I know if it comes out of Sam Smith's mouth, I know I'm good. It's a lot of things said in that book that made, you know, Jerry Krause is a genius, but it was also some things that made him look like a villain. And Jordan blamed it on Horace Grant. And I, the first question, I was like, damn, Horace Grant turned into a Randy Brown. Now, for those that don't know, Randy Brown was a part of the second 3 P. But when Randy Brown went to the coaching staff and to the front office, everything that happened in the locker room, Randy Brown would run upstairs and tell it. You know, they, they was like, he a snake. A lot, of, a lot of younger players, you know, I'm talking about this generation, shy away from Randy Brown because he's snitch. And that's not out of my mouth. That's from players that have played in Chicago. Like, what, don't do nothing around Randy Brown. What did he? What did he snitch on again? Who, Randy Brown? Mm-hmm. Man, you name it. I think it was something that was going on with Jimmy Butler. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something that dealt with Jimmy Butler, and he ran upstairs and told it. Oh yeah, good old, good old boy. Dang. Yeah. They say Randy, Randy Brown tell everything. Yeah, we can't trust Randy Brown around these parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn snitch. Mm-hmm. And if you, in 2017, it's widely reported that rifts between players in the front office was in large part due to a mole reporting on player activities within the locker room to manage. The identity of this mode has been speculated to be Randy Brown. Wow. Everybody says it's Randy. But to say that Horace Grant, because, and Horace said he had a good relationship with Sam Smith, but he didn't give Sam Smith those quotes. It was other players, coaches and everything, that really didn't like Kraus. So they, I mean, they let their grievances be known. And for Kraus to call Phil into the, the, the hotel room, and read off these things, dog. How fragile is your damn ego? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just <sighs> go ahead, Delonte. Cross man, he just just did a lot of like questionable, questionable stuff. He just you could tell he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't. Didn't really like Mike. He was jealousy or what? But. It was just it was just crazy, man. You know, it's from trying to bring Kukos in to take over per se to you know the he he systematically he well he single handedly broke that team up. Mm-hmm. My thing is if I'm the general manager, Delonte, you're my head coach, Junie, you're my star player. 
the thing is, our success goes hand in hand. I can't be successful without Delonte being successful. Delonte can't be successful without Junie being successful. So if I can make you two guys successful, that makes me a success. So if I do what I have to do to help you guys, I got to, whatever you guys need, I got to make sure you got it. I got to make sure you got the tools to succeed. You got everything you need. You succeed. We win. I won too. I don't need to have the credit. I know that we worked together. We did that. We all won. That success is intertwined. One thing you cannot take away from Jerry Krause, because you can mention six championships in Chicago. You cannot take away that Jerry Krause is the architect of those six championships. He took the chance on Phil Jackson. No head coaching experience whatsoever. He brings him in as an assistant coach, then promotes him to head coach. And all of a sudden, this dude is the greatest coach of all time. Come on now. That's because of you taking a chance. You get the credit for that, but because you're not getting the pat on the back, you were upset about it. Yeah, he 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 was a credit vulture. That's what he was. He was a credit vulture. He was just I don't know. I mean, I don't like to speak. Not a fan of speaking ill of the dead, but for what it's worth, man, he just uh, he just rubbed people the wrong way. That's it. Indeed. And you know they talked about the '93 finals and. That 93 finals, man, uh, they put Michael Jordan, I'm sorry, they put Dan Marley, Thunder Dan Marley on Michael Jordan in the 93 finals. And Jerry Krause once again fueled the fire because he thought Dan Marley was a good defensive player. Oh, I'm sorry, great defensive player. So Mike lit him up. Mike averaged 41 in the 93 finals. Uh, now, I asked this question about the Knicks in Portland. What were... No, let me rephrase that. If Paxson never hit that shot, that, game, that series went to game seven. Let's be honest. Do you think Barkley would have got his only championship that year if that would have went against Yeah, but then you know what? They actually I'm trying to think. Did they mm, let me think. Let me think. No, they actually had a chance to do it the year after, but they they ran into a huge a, a, a good Houston team in a, a Western Finals, Western Conference Finals. But that that was their best shot. That was their best shot. I mean, yeah, they they fell in a quick two zero hole. Um, but they they beat Chicago two out of three times in Chicago, which at that time was quite a feat. Now, for those that don't know, that '93 Phoenix Suns team, Danny Ainge. Charles Barkley, who came over from the Sixers that year, won the MVP. And Jordan finished third in MVP voting that year. Third. 
Cedric Sabalas, Tom Chambers, Richard Dumas, Frank Johnson, Kevin Johnson, Tim Kempton, Negro Knight, Dan Marley, Oliver Miller, Gerard Mustaf, former Merlin Turp, and Mark West. Um, this was a team that was well put together. I mean, it's solid. Solid. I mean, Barkley was the man, but Kevin Johnson was, that was Kevin Johnson's team. Uh, you had Tom Chambers, one of the best dunking power forwards as Mark Jackson ever. Uh, Danny Ainge had championship experience with the Celtics and the Blazers. Uh, Cedric Sabalas, Dan Marley. I mean, you had guys that could play. Yeah, and they had a real good squad, man. They had a nice squad. I, I just... I remember that 93 season. And... Yeah. It was a guy I went to... I was in middle school. It was a guy I went to middle school with. And he was a, he was a Barkley fan, so... When Barkley went to the Suns, but he was a Kevin Johnson fan. But when Barkley came to the Suns, he became a really, really big Barkley fan. And I told him, I think it was about, it was right before we went on Christmas break. I said, you know, no, I take that back. It was right before we went on spring break because it was hot outside. I said, you know what's going to happen? I said, this is going to be Bulls and the Suns in, uh, in the finals. He said, yep. He said, we're going to beat y'all in six. I said, no, nah, we're going to beat y'all in seven. And we just went back and forth like that for months till it finally happened. And it was just, it was surreal that something that two kids said actually happened. But uh, I, 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 to be quite honest, that 93 Phoenix team, if that would have win seven, no doubt in my mind, I think the Bulls would have had a loss there. Hey, man, I'm listening to all the players you're naming. I just don't see the players of the day matching up with any of those players back in those days, man. I just don't. Well, if you and let somebody know- sell it, Draymond Green is better than Charles Barkley. Oh, my God. Come on, man. Carl Malone. I mean, all those older guys back in them days, man. Hey, I, w- I want to speak on something, too. Y'all just said it. Y'all know... When Charles Boxer got the MVP that year, Michael Jordan had a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then he said, that's all right, you can have it. I'm going to get the championship ring. Man, Mike was the man, man. Yeah, he was. I'm just... One thing I hey. can say, and we were all fortunate. We got to see him in his prime. We didn't get to see videotape. We got to see him live and in living color. Yep. Hey, and y'all do know when they was going to get on the plane to go head back to uh, Phoenix, Michael Jordan told the boys, hey, I don't know about y'all, but I'm taking one suit because we're on the plane in one game. I'm not taking two suits. That's what Michael Jordan told the rest of his teammates, that he's going back to Phoenix for one game and not two. I love it. Yeah. 
That's that killer instinct. Yes, sir. Well, fellas, you got anything else from uh game uh at game six, episode six? Nah, no, I think we, we spoke on all the important aspects. All right. Well, last but not least, uh, we lost a legend today. I know this is Madhouse Monday, but can't end this show without giving props, honor to the most winningest coach in NFL history. Uh, former defensive back out of John Carroll University in the 51 draft, he played DB for the Baltimore Colts, the Washington Redskins, and the Cleveland Browns. Took over as head coach, head coach of the Baltimore Colts. Assembled one of the greatest teams ever put together and probably to never win a championship, which was the 68 Colts. Uh, only coach to have a perfect record at the end of a season at 17 and 0 with the 72 Miami Dolphins. I, I don't even think it's a, it's an accurate number of how many hall of famers he has coached. Uh, Don Shula passed away today. 328 regular season wins as a head coach. 347 wins total. Wow. And 15 of his seasons that he coached were 14 game seasons. Oh. And he had many games. Wow. Four-time NFL uh, Coach of the Year. He was the uh, Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. Part of the 1970s All-Decade Team. Miami Dolphins Honor Roll. Uh, I think I said it before, two-time Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl seven and eight back-to-back. Actually went to three Super Bowls. He went to Super Bowl six, seven, and eight. Also has the distinction of... Uh, being a part of the team that never scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, which was in Super Bowl six against the Cowboys, which they lost 24-3, but came right back and did not lose a game for over a year, for a whole season. And then they didn't lose a game until, what, the fifth or sixth game the following season. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. Dominance. Um. Yeah. That speaks to how, how great of a coach he was. Indeed. I mean, we all talk about Belichick. We all talk about uh, Walsh, uh, Seifert, jeez, uh, Chuck Noll, uh, uh, Mike Shanahan's even in that category. I mean, we, we talk about coaches that approach the game, not like a business, but they approach it the correct way. You know, they, they, they cater to their talent and they go out and win. Don Shula was that man. He was that man. Yes, he's, he was. He's, 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 he's above the greatest. John Madden, I mean, Don Shula is, man, he was, prayers go out to his family, man. He's awesome guy. Awesome coach. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, real quick, one of my 
best Don Shula memories. Thanksgiving, I think that was 93 when they played the Cowboys, and then that snowstorm came through Dallas, and they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. One of my best Don Shula memories, because they were supposed to lose that game, and they beat the Cowboys. I thought that was just like the greatest thing in the world. That was great to me. It was just because it was a, it, it was, you're dealing with the conditions, and it was just a, a beautifully coached game. And they came away with it. But, I mean, it's that. Then you got, uh, geez. I, I, I grew up playing Tecmo Bowl. And, you know, when you win the championship in Tecmo Bowl, that shot of the coach being carried off the field, that's actually a, a cartoon shot of Don Shula. So... I always wanted to win a Tecmo Bowl Super Bowl with the Dolphins so I could get that shot. And that's always one of my great Don Shula memories, just how great he was as a coach. And then what he means to what he meant to the city of Baltimore when they had the Colts here, what he meant to Miami. He still means to Miami. Most people don't know about him with the Colts. He was here in this in this state, and 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 you know he coached at the old gray lady on Thirty Third Street Memorial Stadium. I did not know that. Yeah. And forgive me, Dolphin fans out there, just coming from sideline junkie Juni, bad news Juni, the Miami Dolphins would never see another season ever, as they saw with the coach Don Shula. Forgive me, y'all. Well, they would have to put together a roster. Number one, you got to have a quarterback. And then if you're caught, and then that '72 team, Bob Greasy went down. Now this 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 shows you how great of a coach he was. Your starting quarterback, Bob Greasy, Hall of Famer, goes down. You go. And get Earl Morrill off the street. He didn't have a job at the time. You go pick up Earl Morrill. Earl Morrill comes in and reels off 11 straight victories. Wow. Greasy comes back in the playoffs. Now, Earl Morrill's like 175 years old at this time. <laughs> and he comes in and he leads his team. Now, that's got to show you something. He went with a guy that he knew. Because he coached Earl Moore in 68 when Unitas went down. And Earl Moore won the the, uh, the MVP. And they went to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Jets, but he coached Earl Moore then. And he brought Earl Moore in in Miami to win another Super Bowl. Now, one thing about Earl Moore, he's one of the greatest backup quarterbacks of all time. I think he if he's got to be number one, Frank Wright got to be number two. There's no no other two backup quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that could come into a, a, a game and not miss a beat but those two. And I mean, when I say not miss a beat, if you think I'm lying about Frank Wright, go look at the 93 playoffs when he came back against uh, Houston after Kelly went down. That right there. But that shows coaching. And then he had a three-headed monster at running back with Jim Kick, Larry Zonka, and Mercury Morris. 
You don't see backfields like that no more. Where you just got three workhorses back there. You don't see it no more. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, he, he he changed the game for the better, man. Changed the game for the better. Yeah. Well, fellas, I think we've held these people long enough. Uh don't forget to go back and check out the WrestleManiacs from Saturday. Uh the Nubian Sumo, the People's Choice Don Rodriguez. Delonte, the man himself, with an excellent push segment Saturday. And Don and James went full Samuel Jackson. So come Saturday, I can only imagine the amount of fines that are going to be racked up. But uh, I guess we'll come back Thursday, Friday, fellas, to see what, you know, what we can talk. We can talk some. I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. Yeah, of course. So, of course, because uh, speaking of which, the uh, the of the NFL, the schedules will be released on Thursday. Excellent to go full throttle. Yeah, that is true. And speaking of which, uh, and this is something that I thought that I had because I thought they had already released the schedules. I said, man, we need to figure out what games we're going to this year. <laughs> From That's the first thing I thought about. From the sound of things, brother, um, September and October might be our safe bet. So, uh, they, you know, they they talk about maybe a second wave. So anything after or anything close to Thanksgiving in December, I don't know. But uh, um, September and October, we should be good to go. So yeah, we we we'll, we'll definitely uh hit the round table and uh, try to make a plan. Cool, cool. Because, uh, hey, look, I, if we can do two, that'll be great. And I'll even take a, a regular season and a preseason because if they play Baltimore in Baltimore, I would love to go to Baltimore and see. Yeah. But And I'm not sure if they got the AFC North this year. That would be great. What's this year? Hold on, wait. Oh, shoot. They should have the AFC North this year because it's been four years. We played them in 2012. Played them in 2016, so we mm-hmm. should be playing them in 2020. We should have the AFC North this year. So if we got a game in Baltimore, it's only right we go to Baltimore, fellas. I mean, we we got to get up there like 9 a.m. so we can walk around the Inner Harbor and 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 BS around. But yo, that'll be great if they playing in Baltimore this year. Hmm. We might. We're gonna have to talk about this all there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have to explain. All right, that's all our time for tonight. What was you saying, Delonte? I said no. I was saying no. That that would definitely work. Yeah. Good old uh, sausage with um a sausage with uh uh, uh um peppers and onions. Don't sound too bad right about now. Yeah. So uh, we, you know, everybody stay safe. We got to get this thing under control so we can open the world back up safely. Safe. Not not just open it up just to do it. Let's do it safely so we can get back to some semblance of a normal life. So 
We are the sideline junkies for Big Jim, the People's Choice, the Nubian Sumo, uh, Allen, all on special assignment for Delonte, Junie, myself, KG. Thank you for listening. We are out of here. Peace. Peace.